Welcome, this is Encore. Hello, everybody. Uh, in case you haven't heard my voice in a while, <laughs> I'm Jason, and I'm joined once again by Craig Manning. Um, this is episode 160 of Encore. We have not done an episode in a, in a while, and I actually, I think, Craig, I think you were the last guest on, which was uh, last May, yeah, was August, it, something was it like Gaslight? that. Oh yeah, it was yeah, it was Gaslight the, it was the Gaslight Anthem yeah. uh, recap, which might have been five, six. Seven years ago, I don't remember at this point. <laughs> we're, yeah, it's been it's been a while, that's for sure. Yeah, we're recording today. It's December thirty first, uh, two thousand eighteen, the last day of two thousand eighteen, and the plan for this episode is a recap of two thousand eighteen, the best of the year kind of thing. We do one of these every year, um, or we have in past what four or five years so i feel like uh it's a good time to break off the old podcasting equipment figure out how the hell do you skype again and get get back (laughs) behind the microphone to do an episode there's a lot of stuff that uh, i've written about over the past like six months seven months of music um talked obviously in the forums a whole lot about but haven't really put my thoughts down on some of the stuff that is a end of the year uh, like thing. So I, I, I'm looking forward to talking about some of this music that I haven't talked about elsewhere and uh, kind of going over like just our favorite stuff of, uh, of this year. Yeah. Yeah. This should be fun. I feel like I have not written as much this year. So there was more stuff like when I was going through and doing blurbs for my list, like more stuff I hadn't written about at all. So that was pretty that fun. That is good. That's good. So how have you been? Do you have a good holiday? Everything go well for uh, Christmas and the lake? Yeah, yeah, it's been great. Uh, we had um, both my siblings came up. Uh, I live in my my old hometown yeah. now. We moved up in January, um, so my parents are still here, and my wife's parents are still here. And her brother came in from San Francisco on Christmas Eve, picked him up at the airport. Uh, my brother and his girlfriend were up, and my sister came up from Cincinnati. Um, so it was great to have everyone. You know, uh, we did like a a big get together on Christmas Eve, like both both families, and we had a big taco night, and it's a lot of fun. I feel like I've eaten a lot of food and had a lot of beer and uh, a fair amount of wine as well. <laughs> so I think uh, it's it's time to to get to the fitness New Year's resolution. That's amazing. But you know, hopefully, hopefully, a, a, another day or two of, of fun won't kill. Yeah, me. trying to get through the running the entire gamut of uh, Thanksgiving and then Christmas. And then everything associated with Christmas and different families and dinners and then New Year's. And it's like, I don't know, I'm not always big on like resolutions. I always feel like I'm trying to do like mini resolutions all the time. But it makes sense to start at the beginning of the year and be like, okay, time time to get back on track with things because I totally feel that. Uh, Any good fun plans tonight for New Year's Eve? Uh, Well, we've got a winter storm coming in. So we... I'm not. I'm not really sure. We we have sort of a tradition where they have like a, a a mini ball drop downtown that my wife and I usually go to. It's actually where we had our first kiss nine years ago tonight on New Year's Eve. Wow, nice. Yeah, yeah, nine years. Okay, so we'll have to make it down there next year for the ten year. But I think we're getting like ten inches of snow tonight. So, so not not going outside. Either, either we're gonna yeah stay in and just like watch some movies, maybe drink some champagne. Or we'll like go over to her parents' house and, and hang out there for the night. Nice. That sounds like that sounds like fun. Yeah. So e- either way, it should be fun. Uh, don't want to be out too much if there's that much snow yeah. coming. It's already starting. It looks like nice. looking outside. You stay up. Yay. You still stay up till midnight, or do you pass out at about eight o'clock? 
Yeah, I usually I usually try to get to midnight. We my wife had to work today, so we've been up since six forty five. It it might be a long shot for tonight, <laughs> but depends on what's going on, I guess. Nice. Yeah, Hannah's playing a New Year's Eve concert, so she'll be gone for the early part of the evening. So I'm just fending for myself, probably putting together a bunch of our end of the year stuff on the website, trying to get a little bit of final work done uh, before she gets home, and then we're probably just gonna watch some movies, have some do a little bit low key this year, nothing nothing too crazy. Um, I don't like to go out that much on th- no. these these days. I feel like if you try to go out and like make something really epic happen, it's always disappointing. I kind of think the the low key like stay at home New Year's are kind of more fun. Yeah, usually. I agree. Like if you can get friends together, that's fun. A couple years ago, you know, we used to go over to like a friend's house out in the suburbs or whatnot, uh, and that was always fun. But then. I think it was two years ago on the ride on the drive home, a drunk driver crashed in front of my car, which then hit the. Oh yeah, I, I yeah, I remember that. that. So that was, I think that was two years ago now. And then after that, I was like, okay, I'm done driving on New Year's. You know, I, like, no, I don't want to do this ever again. In. Like this is just a pain in the ass. I'm just I'm not dealing with it yet. So if you can stay inside, I, that that's my recommendation at this point. It's like, man, if like there's people within walking distance that want to hang out with me, totally fine. But I don't want to drive. I don't right. want to. I don't even want to be out on the roads. I don't want to. I don't want to do any of that. I just want to be like here in my in my house, gonna watch some movies, have some good beers, hang out the cats, be very adult and very old. <laughs> <laughs> sounds sounds good. Yeah, absolutely. So 2018, man, as a year uh, outside of music, how'd you feel about the year? It's uh Year two of it's been two years. God damn! It feels like it's been sixteen bazillion years with this. Uh, with the the presidential, with the presidential nightmare, nightmare <laughs> this, our ongoing nightmare. Uh, feels like everything goes super super slow and fast at the same time, and I can't I can't keep track of everything. But besides that, did you have a good year? Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, like I said, we moved we moved up to our hometown, which has been pretty awesome to be near family and friends and stuff. So. Uh, I've also had a few good professional milestones just in terms of like stable publications I'm writing for and stuff. Um, so that's been great. Um, you know, as far as like staying in shape and stuff, I was <laughs> running a lot. Um, ran a 1642 5k this summer. Oh, that nice. was pretty, that was pretty awesome. That is cool. Uh, and made some other goals like with 10ks and five mile races and stuff. Nice. So hoping to do a little more of that in the new year. Not not quite ready to do the the whole marathon thing yet. My <laughs> sister's been doing that. She's actually she's killing it. She like was fifty fifth of all women at the New York marathon. Oh wow, or that's crazy! Like yeah. that out of like I don't know how many tens of thousands. Lots of people. Of people. Yeah, but, my mom my mom runs marathon. She's run the New York, the Boston. She's done Port- oh, Portland yeah, a couple yeah, times. Great. So yeah, she she likes the marathon. My sister is going to run a five k with her coming up in a couple of months or something. But uh, I'm not a big runner. Ne- ne- the running like I will do to like keep in shape and keep the heart going and try to do like uh to lose weight or calories and things like that but just to go run i don't know I, i've always was much more of the like sprinting for sports running if i uh, run, sure. running if yeah. i needed to but never loved the like long jog but my mom my mom she, that's that's her thing she loves to run so i uh, didn't get that gene but this year was definitely yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a family thing for us my mom runs my my brother was like uh super great high school runner like i think he still has one of the school records at our high school so it's sort of in my blood i came to it a little later yeah but it's just been good like for for me keeping in shape it's something i can do easily in the middle of my work day so 
uh, just trying to do that and doing the races every once in a while is a lot of fun. That makes sense. Yeah, for sure. This year was definitely the year of trying to get healthy for me as well. About six months ago was the old like got on the scale and was like, man, I can't believe how much I weigh. Like this, this is way over what I ever thought like I was going to actually be at. So made that a pretty conceited effort for about six months to try to lose some weight go back to the gym, start eating better. Uh, portion control <laughs> was, right. was the thing that I just uh, just pretended wasn't a thing for 35 years and uh, decided, <laughs> decided I needed to get try to get back into shape. You know, the metabolism is not quite what it used to be in high school. Right. So that was my last six months, and now the plan is to try to keep that up for keep that up for 2019. I feel like after doing all the work, it's like I can't slack back off and let that get that right. let that yeah. get bad. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so that's been my 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 2018 as a whole has been pretty good, pretty fun. Um, yeah, okay. So before albums, which everyone wants us to start talking about, I figured it'd be kind of fun <laughs> to look at anything that wasn't music related that we kind of wanted to share best of sort of stuff for. So uh, TV shows, movies, books, anything like that that you wanted to give a quick shout out to or wanted to discuss at all that you really liked this year? Yeah, I lagged way behind on TV. We opted not to get cable when we moved into our new house. Um which has proven to be a good choice, I think. We weren't using it much, and we've been more social this year, just being where we are and having friends close. So, you know, not not a whole lot of staying staying in and watching TV. Yeah. But I'm behind on, like, all the streaming shows, too. But there have been some movies I really liked. Uh, Love, Mission Impossible is just a, a thrill ride constantly with those movies, yeah. and that was a blast. Um, the Hate You Give was a really good movie. I don't know if you've seen that one. I haven't seen one. that one. Um, it's based on a young adult novel and my wife used to be like a young adult editor, book editor. Um, so she was all clued into like what the bestsellers were, but this book is like apparently huge and the book's great. And the movie it's about, um, it's about a young girl who, uh, a young African American girl who's in a car with a, uh, a black, a young black man who gets shot and killed by a police officer and sort of the aftermath of that. And it's just very affecting, like a beautiful portrait of family and just community and all the fallout that happens when all this shit goes down. So uh, I'd recommend that for sure. Um, and then as far as like the comic book movies go, I was really into Black Panther and also thought we just saw Into the Spider-Verse this past weekend. And I just thought that was super cool. Like the animation style was so groundbreaking and like I feel like I haven't seen an animated movie quite like that innovative since maybe the first Toy Story. So, like that's that's a that's a big thing for sure. And then also, I didn't know where to put this, but Springsteen on Broadway, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah, it's and uh, I mean, I wrote a big thing about it for the site a couple of weeks ago. But that was I never got out to see that in in New York because you know. It, cost a ton of money and was impossible to get tickets for and just it was not a realistic thing for uh, a, a guy from Michigan to do uh, but uh, it was it was awesome seeing it on Netflix and just I understand all the acclaim and I understand why he uh, you know basically paused the rest of his career for like a year and a half to do that so if people haven't watched that yet it's right it's on Netflix it's free just just Especially like, you know, if you've, if you've got a free night, it's two and a half hours long. It's totally worth it. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Mission Impossible was definitely on my list. That was a very good movie. Another uh, 
worthy addition to that that franchise, which has just been cranking out great movies for a very long time now. Uh, other stuff I loved was that movie called Love Simon. Um, I thought that was like oh a, yeah yeah like, that's really good like a modern John Hughes ish kind of movie. But I've come back to that one quite a bit uh, on Netflix. The special, the Hannah Gatsby Gatsby special, Nanette, I thought was really good. Uh, and if anybody hasn't checked that out yet, highly recommend it. Uh, the movie Upgrade. Uh, have you heard about that one? No. It was like it's a smaller – it's not like a small like indie movie by any means, but it's like a sci-fi action movie where like AI takes over a dude's body. I don't know. It's pretty cool. I thought it was a good movie. It's one of those ones that kind of flew under the radar that if people haven't seen, okay. I'd recommend yeah. checking out. TV show-wise, I liked Billions. Uh, I liked American Vandal. I liked uh, The Good Place, Superstore, Nathan for You, a bunch of that stuff was uh, we watched a lot this year. Uh, my end of the year list that will be in my blog has just a bunch of different things that I watched this year, movie-wise, books, TV shows, stuff like that. So I recommend anyone that is looking for anything like that to check out those lists, which will be up by the time this podcast airs. So yeah. Yeah, awesome. Uh, we kind of basically already went over any resolutions. Do you have any musical resolutions for this year? Do you have anything that you want to do? Listen to more music, listen to less music, uh, branch out into other genres, anything like that? Well, you know, we're coming up on the end of the decade, so uh, I'm gonna probably start like getting getting that list. Uh, I don't know if I'm gonna do a top 100, top 200, uh, but I'll probably do something like this. Past year, I went back to the 2000s and did my top 100 for that, and that was like a six month six month project. So I'll probably be starting this like sooner, sooner rather than later in the new year, like just going back through releases that I loved from the past, uh, from since 2010, um, uh, maybe try to, to look into some stuff that I might've missed along the way, especially with, you know, artists that I've discovered since those years and who may have put out albums earlier in the decade. So that'll be a fun project for sure. Um, as far as like other things, I I want to get back to like recording. Mm, that's cool. My own stuff. Yeah. I was still I was still doing a lot of songwriting this year, just uh, not quite as much, and just did not have time to sit down and like commit to a recording project, which just takes up so much time. I don't know if I'll have time in the new year, maybe, uh, but I'd like to at least try to make make some time to to get something something done. It's like another like EP sort of thing, or just anything at all. Yeah, I might might aim for the EP this time. Yeah. I've done a uh, couple couple full lengths, but those just take so long. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, make, it depends on how I'm feeling. That makes sense. This year I, I want to try to, when I hear about music and I add it to my list to like check out, to make sure that I go check out check out those albums. I felt like this year when I started looking at the like the staff top 30, which I've heard most of the albums on here, like I'd say 95%, but there were a few that I, I just completely missed or had marked down to listen to and then never did and when i was looking through my i have like a note that i just keep track of stuff when i see people recommend things enough times i add it to a list to be like oh check this out um add a top of music or whatnot and i i'm looking at my list for this year and i definitely like added a bunch of stuff that i never actually went back and listened to so i need to be better about that i i get i spent what about two years ago i started trying to focus on like okay i want to listen to the things I really like a lot. So if I love an album, I wanted to like fall in love with that album and just play it over and over again, kind of like what I used to do in high school. And I tried to get back to that feeling because I felt like I was skipping between things too much. And I felt like I had like a little bit of like musical ADD sometimes. Yeah. And I was just, yeah, like, I feel like I definitely had that 
as recently as maybe last year. Yeah. I don't know. Like what happened? Something that happened with me this year is, you know, there's that big thread in, in general on chorus. It's like the 2018 albums. Yeah, thread. Yeah. It's just like where people, you know, keep track of everything they listen to. And on one hand, it's like a useful tool to go back through and say like, okay, what did I listen to? Uh, but on the other hand, I felt like for me, it sort of was like, oh, this is a great way to like up my number of albums that I've listened mm-hmm. to. Like, and that was just kind of stupid <laughs> because there, a lot of times it was like, I'm just going to get through this album that I don't, I'm not really enjoying so I can like add it to my list. And I'm like, no, like I, I, like you said, trying to focus more on the stuff I really like. And also for me trying to like, not get to the point where like you reach the end of a year and then you do these lists and then you basically stop listening to everything on them. <laughs> you know, another, another year's worth of music comes yeah. through and I'm like, uh, just, just trying to enjoy like, and, and basically, uh, get those albums to the point where maybe they could be like all time favorites instead of just year end favorites. Exactly. Uh, so I tried to do a lot more of that this year. Yeah. And that's what I've been focusing on for a couple of years now, but I also feel like I, I'm kind of missing the discovery a little bit. I'm missing the like, Oh, like here's a new band that, you know, you, you only has one or two albums out there. People really talk are starting to talk about. Um, I haven't done that as much and I haven't really dove into trying to experiment outside of different genres. Like a lot of the stuff that I listened to this year is very much in the wheelhouse of what I've liked for the past two years. And it's like, so mm-hmm. when I hear it, I'm yeah, like, same. I'm like, Oh, I really fucking like that type, that genre or that band or this kind of sound. And so I just play it a lot because that's what I'm into at the moment. Um, but I, I am feeling like i want to stretch my sea legs a little bit uh next year start trying to like see what else is out there a little bit try to explore things and uh definitely listen to more recommendations from people when i see people like start talking about an album and say like oh this is really good give that give that a a look for a while like I, i just felt like I'd see recommendations and I'd put on an album and I was just like, man, this just isn't for me anymore. It was kind of during that like whole emo revival wave thing when people were like all coming out with new bands all the time to like, oh, this is this new emo band. And I'd listen to it and just be like, this is just not what I'm really into right now. But it does seem that our our forum and like just the community in general has kind of moved more towards some genres that I think I, I, I would enjoy experimenting in at this point in time, I guess. Yeah, it's definitely changed a lot and we can maybe pivot here to like our, uh, our contributor list, which looks so different than like what this list would have looked like 10 years ago. Yeah, it really does. I mean, it's funny cause like there's staples on there. Like obviously that under oath album makes it fall out boy makes it the wonder years are on there. Me without you. There's an Andrew McMahon album on there. We have death cap. So like those are there. So like you can see the right. framework yeah, of like where still there. absolute punk like began and what it did. But then as you like kind of work your way through the list, you see all these other things and all these like different genres and different kinds of bands sprinkled in, which really do show or really does show, uh, the shift and the change and the like evolution of not just like, you know, my taste personally, but like the website and the community's taste kind of as a whole, which is really interesting to see. Um, so yeah, like talking about this list, uh, we're going to put the, the whole list is obviously up on the website. We'll link that in the show notes. I think that maybe it makes sense to just read the top 10. Um, and then we can start by talking about that first group of 10 and the surprises, what we think about them and stuff like that. Does that work for you? 
Sure. Yeah. Cool. So uh, number 10 is the Rustin Kelly album, Dying Star. Number nine is Brian Fallon's Sleepwalkers. Number eight is Spanish love song songs, Schmaltz. Is that how you pronounce that? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Number seven is Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness, Upside Down Flowers. Number six, Me Without You. Number five, Now Now, Saved. Number four, The Wonder Years, Sister Cities. Number three, Foxing, Nearer My God. Number two, the 1975, very long title. <laughs> uh, number one is uh, Casey Musgraves, Golden Hour, which uh, I think we should just start there. Let's start with that. Are you surprised? Legitimately, legitimately shocking. Were you surprised when, when yes. you put together the list and saw that? It's relatively close. Like I'm looking at the numbers, like it is close between one and two. Point was, yeah, it's it's actually the 1975 was leading. So I I, I tally these sort of on a rolling basis because they come in at different times, like. Uh, just to explain how this works, we basically have a Google Doc set up where people can put in spreadsheets of their top 30, and then I take each of the top 30s, and like each uh, each entry is worth a certain number of points, like a number one vote is worth 100 points, and a number two vote is worth 80 points, and so on and so forth. Um, so the 1975, when I like pulled the first group of lists, so this would have been, I don't know, maybe December 21st or something. And all the lists were due on the 23rd. Uh, pulled all those in. I think the 1975 was winning by eh, 100 points, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then just as more lists came in, Casey sort of closed the gap. And then uh, I, I think it was AJ, he he submitted his list last and sort of just, just, just a little late. Uh, and... To the point where I had pulled all the lists in, and when I woke up on Christmas Eve, I was going to tally everything and then post the list on our Slack. And then I saw that he had, he had submitted a list, and his vote basically moved Casey <laughs> from second to first and uh, pushed the 1975 down, which was you know, a very surprising turn of events. It's the first time we've had a country album at the top of our list, which I think is pretty cool, just, you know knowing what I listen to. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, bad luck for the 1975 or the 1975 cursed on our list. You know, they've never I won. I think they'll be uh, okay. <laughs> they've never won. I know, it is really funny that they haven't, they've been one of the more talked about bands every single year they release an album. They're always up there, but they've been surpassed three times now. Uh, yeah, I think they've been number two. I think they've been number two. Maybe they were third in, in uh, 2013, because I think it was, uh, it was the National was our album of the year that year. And then I think The Wonder Years and then maybe them. But in 2016, they got beat by Jimmy Eat World. That's fair. And I think they got passed last minute there, too. (laughs) Yeah, so how do you feel about Casey being the number one album? You know, my my personal thoughts on her is like, I really like that album. That album is somewhere on my list. I don't remember exactly where I put it off the top of my head. I've got that at number 10 on my person, on my... Yeah, so it's in my top 10. So it fits for me. Um, but it, it was shocking to see it, it doesn't feel like that's an album that necessarily like defined the website for the year. It feels like sure. an, it feels yeah. like an album that was very well received by lots of people, obviously. I mean, it's won awards. It's been on a lot of other publications, best of lists. Everyone talked about it. I wrote about it quite a bit on the website and in the forums and stuff. But Given that it it's not like quote like a scene type of album, it didn't feel like it was like a big event on the website, even though it was so well received. Right. Well, this kind of reminds me of I think it was 2015 when uh, 
Sufjan Stevens was our album of the year. And my thought is that like this is the album from this year that like a lot of people like maybe the most people can agree on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like the nineteen seventy five is still kind of polarizing. Uh and Foxing's are number three, and that's sort of you know, it's more in the, the scene direction, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Casey Musgraves and I've sort of like I wrote the blurb for this one. Um and what I wrote is that it's just, you know, an album that appeals to pop fans, it appeals to country fans, it appeals to indie rock fans. Uh, I've seen a lot of people who are like very into hip hop or electronic music who like it a lot. So maybe it's just like the like the unifying consensus album. Yeah, this year. that makes sense. And in a year that was so chaotic and hectic uh, politically for a lot of people and dealing with things like that, it's it's an album that does give you a good feeling, you know. And it is like it's almost escapist in a lot of ways for that. Like you don't you don't walk away from that album being like, oh my god, that was that was like a, a right, hard yeah, listen. It's just. It's such a personal, like, it's a love album. It's very universal as opposed to something like the 1975, which is... Uh, Sprawling you know, all over definitely, the place. <laughs> definitely dealing with, uh, dealing with some of the political things going on. But, yeah, for me, it was really cool to see Casey at the top. I mean, as I said, just having a country album at the top of our list is pretty cool. But she's an artist that I've been a big fan of since her first album, uh, and that was 2013. And she wasn't getting a whole lot of coverage back then. Um, from any of like the Pitchfork or Stereo Gum sites, so like just throughout this list season, seeing her top lists was was pretty awesome, mm-hmm. and and win awards and get a Grammy album uh, album of the year nomination. Uh, I feel really good for her. I think she's a, a big talent. She's a great songwriter, um, and uh, I just I, I love this album. It's my number two of the year, uh, and I don't have to spoil that. <laughs> I think I've talked about this album enough that people would. People would know. I def- I wrote the review for the site. It was definitely very uh, very positive on it. So yeah, I feel I feel good about this one. I was definitely fully prepared for the 1975 to top our list, and that would have been totally fine. But I think this is a kind of cool left field thing. Yeah, I'm gonna blame everyone that didn't submit their list that were contributors this year for not pushing the 1975 <laughs> up to the top. <laughs> uh, so yeah, number two is 1975. I mean, obviously I've written a bunch about this album in the forums, uh, on the website in general quite a bit. Uh, I think that this is an album that when we look back at 2018, I think that we're going to remember. I, it felt like it felt more like a moment to me on the website, probably just because I'm so invested in that band and following everything that went on. Uh, but seeing that band also branch out and get kind of the mainstream-ish slash critical darling appeal that this album did this year, I thought was really interesting um, and something that I- I'm going to remember. So I, th- I think that's cool. I think that it's it's nice to be up uh, be up there. Uh, Looking at number three, Foxing, another album that I really enjoy, but at the same time, I didn't come back to as much as I think I thought, and that is kind of the opposite of that Casey Musgraves album, where that Casey album right. feels so easy to listen to for me. The Foxing album, I have to be in the right it's mood. It's so dense. Yeah, and it's it's a, it's very, very good, but like that is a... It's a great that's album, a, yeah. That's a listen. Like That's a, like, you're sitting down and like, okay, here you go, like, buckle in for this. Um I did not. I actually did not like their previous album, Dealer. Yeah, um, Dealer. Yeah, I was bored by that one, so I sort of came into this one not really knowing what to expect, and was kind of blown away by just like sort of how audacious it is, how many different genres they play around with. I think 
you know, it's definitely an interesting direction for like a quote unquote emo band to take because it incorporates, you know, sort of sort of more indie rock from like maybe 10 years ago. I think this album would have been like a, a kind of a critical darling then. And maybe that that's that side of the music criticism uh, world has just moved on to other things. I mean, I know it has. It's more more pop driven and hip hop driven right now. Yeah. But you know, this is a really interesting album. It's not it was in my top forty. It is not super high on that mm-hmm. list, but uh it's definitely an album I admire and I think it's it rounds out a pretty cool top three for yeah, us. I've got it at number seven on, on my list. Uh, and it's interesting because I put together a playlist where I picked like two of my favorite songs from every album, put that together to just kind of listen to. Uh, and it's going to be linked up in my end of the year post. And when I get to that that section with those two songs, it doesn't feel out of place, but they're definitely like it just hits in a different way, which is why I think that that's an album that I could see going one of two ways. Either I know in the back of my mind that it's such a dense, like difficult, not difficult, but like it's a listen, listen album. Uh, so I, so right. I don't come back to it. Or I rediscover it somewhere in the middle of next year and just play the crap out of it. And I'm like, ah, I should have probably moved that up a little bit more. I'm really curious to see what I end up doing with it because I have noticed when I listen to my like best of quote 2018 playlist, when I get to those two songs, I'm always like, oh, these are really good. And it kind of drags the playlist down just a tad for a moment because it's like, okay, th- these are dense. These are thick. Like this is which songs did you put on? Oh there? man, I'd have to look really fast on there. I put slapstick and nearer my God. Okay. I put Bastardizer on mine. I think that's the easiest one to pull off. That is a pretty good one to pull off. Um, okay, number four on, on this list, we got The Wonder Years, Sister Cities, which is an album that didn't make my list at all. Is it on yours? No, I think I listened to this album like three times. <laughs> this is a this is an interesting thing because I used to, like, around The Greatest Generation, I got really into this band for like, I don't know, three uh-huh. months. And pretty much ever since then, they've sort of just been like, eh. I found I find his voice very tiring. Uh, I think occasionally he writes brilliant songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Dan Campbell yeah. we're talking about, yeah. not like the the whole band is referring to as a person. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I I totally expected this one to rank high, but I didn't I didn't put it on my list, and I just this isn't really where I was in terms of what I wanted to listen to. I think to. that's a good so, way of putting it. That wasn't really where I was in terms of where I wanted to. I mean, it's, it was an ambitious album, but like if I, I, I thought the Foxing album was more ambitious and pulled off what they were going for better. And I just, the songs never really resonated with me. I tried, I tried many, many times and I'd always start <laughs> and just be like, this is just, this is just not, as you said, this is just not where I'm at right now. And so, uh, I don't know. It, yeah, didn't make didn't make my list either. Talking about something that did make my list and is actually my favorite album of the year is number five. So I think this is like a good way to like justify or juxtapose was yeah, what, what was yeah the... what was not my uh, was not my music this year and what was my music this year and that now now album was definitely my shit this year. Like that was the the epitome of what kind of music I wanted to listen to. The stuff that I kept coming back to, uh, emotional yet dancey and uh, energetic, but yet with a like tinge of like melancholy at times. Uh, I don't know that that album really did 
everything for me that I, I'm looking for in yeah, music. You were riding for this album like from like two months <laughs> out from its release date or something. Like that. It's been an album that's been with me for the entire year as well. And like basically, like I mean, we can talk a little bit about our personal best of the list. We can come back to this list a little bit more if we want uh, from here. But the reason that this ended up topping my list was just it was an album that stayed with me the entire year. And on a longer timeline, there's a pretty good chance that maybe the 1975 would have jumped it which is going to be my number two but having this album the entire year and experiencing so many different things with it right like good times and being super excited and happy during the summer listening to a song like sgl or winter late at night sitting here by myself listening to something like holy water like all of these things uh i experienced through one album and it just it stuck with me and i kept pulling it off the shelf i kept coming back to it i kept putting it on playlist I kept wanting to hear it. And to me, like when I think about a year in an album that means something to me, that's usually what I, I want to think about. I want to think about the memories I've had with the music. And so, yeah, the 1975 gets dinged a little bit because it came out so late, even though I love that yeah, album. We should talk about that, too. <laughs> we can get to that. Yeah. So I think so. I do think that 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 it, that does play a role. But when I came down to picking what my number one album of the year would be, it that all of those things take place. Like, and maybe I wouldn't say like it's even like the quote best album on my list or anything, but that experience in time with the album has to take, I have to take into consideration when trying to rank something above something else. And that ultimately is what pushed it ahead. Sure. That's actually pretty similar to what happened with mine. Uh, my number one is uh, an album called Starfire by Caitlin Smith. It's a debut album from, uh, she's a Nashville singer-songwriter. She's written with a lot of um, pretty well-known people. One of the songs on this album was cut by Garth Brooks. She has another song that uh, has been recorded by Dolly Parton. Um, she wrote a song that was like a duet, Megan Trainer and John Legend. So she's had some pretty big credits, but she, as a singer-songwriter, is not super well-known. Um, has just this incredible voice, and uh, that's sort of sort of what what elevated this album above the rest of my list for me is that the way I I like to think about it is like just was listening to this album in a car uh, sometime in the fall and having had it for as you said like the whole year because this album came out on January nineteenth, which was. I think the first big release day of the yeah. year, like the first one that things were coming out that I was actually really looking forward to. Uh, so I'd already spent a lot of time with it. And by this point, like the, the, the shine of the newness had sort of worn off and um, like my, my two and my three, which are Casey Musgraves, Golden Hour and uh, Russ and Kelly Dying Star. They had both sort of flirted with that top spot. But then I was like, like driving and listening to this album and they're like, there's at least one moment in every track that, that I'm just like, was just saying to myself, like, holy shit, how does she <laughs> sing like that? And it was just like, it remained this emotional experience listening to this album. And there's so many, there's so much to her writing on this album because she's been working on it for such a long time. Uh, the way I put it in my, my blog post is that it's sort of like a, an origin story in the form of an album. Where, like, you have songs about her hometown, you have songs about, like, her struggle to, like, chase her dreams as a Nashville songwriter and sort of getting rejected. Sort of love songs about her husband and meeting her husband and uh, getting married and then, 
you know, songs about heartbreak and sort of just, just charts the full gamut of like sort of the human experience, I guess, uh, of like being in your twenties or thirties and trying to find your place. Um, so, I mean, personally, I think, I think she is a superstar waiting to happen. Like, uh, I think she's one like TV performance away from like being a Chris Stapleton. And I think like if she got a major label push and maybe, um, like worked with a few, few bigger producers, I honestly think she could be the next Adele. Oh, interesting. I don't know if it'll happen, but, um, you know, if I had to buy stock in any (laughs) artist for the next like 10 years, I'm buying Buying Caitlin Smith stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really funny. Uh, looking at the year list from everybody, the contributor list, is there stuff on here that you just didn't listen to at all? Like that, And with that, is there stuff that you see on here that you're like, oh, yeah, that album, I need to make sure to check it out? Or things that- Oh, yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely some stuff I missed on here. I missed Me Without You, just because I know like that band's not really for uh-huh. me. I've tried <laughs> a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, Spanish Love Songs. Is on my list to check out. I think you'll like it. I mean, it's, it's very like Gaslight Anthem E. Uh, has that sort of like Americana ish vibe to it. A little more punk, I guess. It's it's a good album. It was not, I was surprised to see that as high up as it is. It, it feels like the opposite version of like the Casey Musgraves album, where like if Casey's super uh, anybody can listen to and like the Spanish Love Songs album is kind of like if you're in the punk, if you like punk music, like you know punk rock music to that sort of degree. Everybody can like right. agree to like that that kind of album. It's like one of those like, oh yeah, it's that album. Everyone likes that. Like I don't know. That's just that's what how I would describe it. Yeah, I think what happened there for me is that, or just for the list, I mean, is that it got like three number one votes or something. Okay. So yeah. when that happens, they, they get it gets shot up the list yeah. a little bit. Uh, let's see what else on here. I, I still have not heard the Janelle Monae album. Good. Actually, yeah, that's on my list. Uh, which is is probably one of the bigger blind spots because I know that has showed up on a lot of. Of your endless, uh, what else? Father John Misty. I hated his last album so he much <laughs> that I was just like, I'm never, I'm no, I'm I'm done. And like people have told me, this one is sort of in a different vein and is less, uh, you know. I, I thought the last one was just such a such a show of ego and hubris, like in the form of an album that I did not. I hated it. Yeah, I did I not want to. That. I hated yeah, it. Yeah. I truly <laughs> so hated that bad. album. And this one, it is better. So it is better, but it, <laughs> it was not so much better that it washed the taste of the, the previous album out of my uh, mouth. And I, I, I wasn't able to get into it. Like, it's okay. Like it's, it's definitely one where I'm like, and I tried it a couple extra times thinking maybe it'll grab me, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just not, that maybe that's just not going to work for me anymore because <laughs> I did like his uh, previous albums, but that one, uh, man, yeah. So I don't know. I, I might try that one again. Yeah. Um, I didn't try. I didn't. I didn't attempt Twenty One Pilots. Uh, I gave it. I gave it one listen, me. and I know that band's not for me. Unfortunately, like they're huge, and I understand why they're huge, and I totally get why people like that band. But I'm, I listened to the album once, and I was like, yeah, this is good. Like for what it is, like it's good. It's just not the kind of music that I'm listening to these days. I've had stuff like that. Yeah, so those are those are the ones I the bigger ones I missed, I think. What about you? Yeah, I mean I haven't heard the Lori McKenna album um at all. So that's I'm gonna check that out. That's on the list. Highly recommend that one. That's in my top five. She's just a really, really great songwriter. Like um sort of on the level of Jason Isbell, I think, just in like her lyric writing. So uh definitely 
definitely recommend I've listened that. to everything and enjoy to some degree pretty much everything in our top 10 um, from 11 to 20. That Hop Along album, a lot of people really loved and I tried it a couple different times and I never like, it never grabbed me the same way the people became diehards for it. It did, but it, it's good. Yeah, I agree on that. Same so thing, good. pretty much, like two or three listens, yeah. just didn't really stick. But, but it's good. Uh, that Piano's Become the Teeth album I haven't listened to. So, like, that's one that I just I, I just somehow missed. Oh. Just didn't, just never actually spun that one. <laughs> so I, I, I listened to that, like, on its release day, and I liked it a lot. It's just, that's one of the ones I forgot to come back to. Yeah, um, let's see, Wild Pink, The Yoke and the Fur, which we have at 19. It's a good album, but I only spun it's, it. It's pretty I cool. I only spun it like yeah. two or three times, and it was one of those like I think it came out like right around the summer or something like that, or in the end of the summer. And I was in the mood for other music, so I was listening to other things, and then I never revisited that. The Arctic Monkeys album, uh, I think I only listened to twice, and just realized yeah, it wasn't I, going to. It wasn't like going. It wasn't going to be my, for me, and so I, I skipped over that <laughs> no. one. Um, and then the only other album that I know I need to spend more time with is the. Uh, oh man, I'm going to butcher her last name. Lucy Dacus? Dacus? Do you know how to pronounce that? Yeah, Dacus. The historian uh, album. I think Lucy Dacus. Yeah, yeah. I, I listened to it a couple times once uh, I heard the Boy Genius EP with Phoebe Bridgers and Julian Baker because uh, I really liked her voice. And it's good, but it's one that I need way more time with. Like I discovered that right towards the end of the year and was like, oh, yes, crap. I haven't spent a lot of time yeah. with that so one. That one the, but other than that, like I think that the list overall, like I've listened to pretty much everything on here. I listened to a lot of the stuff on here multiple times. Um, there's not a whole lot uh, other things that really surprise me. Uh, Fall Out Boy rounds it out at number thirty, which it's cool to still see Fall Out Boy on the list. I thought that that, ver- that one very nearly missed. The night game was there, okay. uh, and it sort of got knocked out on, on like one of the last two lists or something. I'm happy to see them still go, going strong. When I think about that, like you know, they've been. I don't think there's been an album they've released that hasn't been in our top thirty. Uh, I, I could be wrong about that. Maybe American Beauty, American Psycho didn't, but I think that almost every album they've ever released has. Yeah, I think it did. I think they've all been yeah in has there. all been in our top thirty. So like they released something, they're there. Brian Fallon hit number nine on the list. He's been a pretty big staple in our list. Obviously, Thrice has been in stuff for a very long time. They come in at number fourteen. Um, I feel like something like Thrice five to eight years ago, that album's in the top five. Um, but maybe just the contributors and the sure. people that we are have kind of like moved away from that sound to some degree. Um, yeah, I think that that means we should talk about our personal lists. I think it does. We've already hit our number yep, one. Both did number one. My number two is the 1975 Brief Inquiry. Obviously, I've talked a bunch about that. Uh, I would not be surprised if I redo this list in five years if that's the album that I end up going. Uh, actually, that was probably my number one of the year. Timing really is what it, what it comes down to with that. Uh, but yeah, you've got what? Rustin Kelly at number two? Uh, Casey Casey's Musgraves number two. Number two. to three. Those two I kind of consider a tie because they were, I mean... They're easy to lump together because they're uh, they're married. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> one's easy to listen to. The Casey album's easy to listen. I listened to that Rustin Kelly album is, the other night. I was playing video games, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna listen to this again. And I put it on. And I was like, man, this is also a tough listen. Like at times, so so sad. Yeah. It's good though. Yeah, yeah, I I listened to that one like weirdly a lot like during the summer. Oh, okay, because <laughs> we had a lot of gloomy days, and I got the advance like two or three months early, yeah. and I just spent a lot of time with it and. I mean, it's it's definitely a downer. I just think, you know, I think he's a great songwriter, and I think like his sort of personal story, 
about like, you know, fighting addiction mm-hmm. and basically coming back after an overdose and writing this album and sort of getting his life together. I think that is pretty, uh, pretty resonant. And I think he puts it into this album in a way that, you know, at, at times is very, very crushing, but overall I think the album like, reaches uplift at the mm-hmm. end. So yeah, that's my number three. Was your list hard this year? Did you consider like, did you think it was hard to rank things? It was it hard to come up with what albums you wanted on your list. I knew pretty instinctively what I wanted my top 10 to be like what albums I think the way I sort of figured, uh, was that like each like two months of the year or three months of the year had sort of like two albums that I spent a lot of time with. So they were like sort of pairings and that like those pairings ended up being like the albums of the year for me. Like, um, like that Caitlin Smith album was definitely the beginning of the year. And then Casey Musgraves was like beginning of spring. And then, uh, Andrew McMahon, which is my number four, was definitely an album I spent a lot of time with like in the fall. So, uh, I knew, I knew the 10 albums I wanted ranking them was tough for sure, especially the top four or five, yeah. which were all sort of on like any of those, I think could have been my album of the year. I, at, at any, at d- different points I had, uh, Caitlin Smith, Casey Musgraves, Rustin Kelly, or Andrew McMahon in the number one slot. In the number one, yeah. Tentatively. And, and then it shook out in this order, and I'm, I'm pretty happy with this order. But yeah, it was uh, it was more of a battle than last year where I was like, yep, my number one is obviously going to be this Jason Isbell <laughs> record. And then <laughs> like figuring it out from there. That's interesting, yeah. What about you? Yeah, my number three is the Night Game album. And I would say that like the same thing, where the top three all flirted with different things. Like there were times where I was like, okay, I just have to put the 1975 up there. It's this, this album just means so much and it's so important to me. And then there were times where I was like, man, is this night game album, like a secret album of the year for me? Like, is this going to stealth slide in there? Because I kept coming back to that. Obviously if I write a review about something, the album means, <laughs> means something to me. If I'm going to sit down and actually crank something out like that and spend the time to do that. And so that album really hit me this year, really resonated with me for a variety of different reasons. Um, that one's an interesting one for me too it did not make my top 10 mm-hmm. but i wrote in in my blog post the blurb i wrote was like if this album comes out in like july there's there's a there's a decent chance it would have been my album of the year because i always sort of look for like the summer soundtrack yeah. album it, yeah and i did not i just didn't have one this yeah. year and like, that could have been uh, it that absolutely easily that could have been it absolutely yeah. could have been it like i I think you had it a little earlier, yeah. so you probably had had some of that. But for me, I think I got it like maybe the week after Labor Day yeah, or something. Yeah. So it was like right at the end of summer at most. Yeah. Right at the end of summer, firmly in the point where like it's starting to feel like fall. Exactly. Um, and I mean, there are parts of that album that like Coffee and Cigarettes is totally a end of summer, early fall song. Yeah. Um, so I still spent a lot of time with it, but I think I would have just played the absolute hell out of it, like in August or something. Definitely. So I don't know. So like, besides like I knew an idea of what my list kind of was looking like, there wasn't much that came in right at the end and like surprised me. Most of the stuff had kind of been things I'd listened to throughout the year. And I put more emphasis on the stuff I had spent a lot of time with and loved consistently throughout the year. And so I kind of knew what that top 10 was going to look like. I had a good idea of what the top 30 albums probably were. Uh, this was a year that I really enjoyed enjoyed though like i was finding stuff that i felt like 
really hit me and resonated with me on a pretty consistent basis. So I think what I was most worried about was like, I just had a giant list of albums. Like I had, right. I just had yeah. all of these albums and I was like, man, there's stuff down here. Like, and I, like obviously I have an honorable mention section on my best of the year list because it was like, there's these albums that like I spent a lot of time listening to and really enjoy and think other people would really enjoy. I just don't have room for them. Like, I'm, like it, that's down an album, like number 45, which is a really good, really good CD. And so it's like, I don't know. That part was the, what I worried about the most was trying to figure out what at what chunk of music got elevated to the top 30. Right. What, what did I spend the most time with that deserved to be there? And then kind of figuring out where things went after that uh, was difficult, but not that difficult. Like I did the top 10 and I was less stringent with myself after the top 10. And it's stuff like, I don't know, I've got that like Sick of It All, Sick of it all album at 20 and that Natalie Prass album at 21. If those get flipped, it's not the end of the world to me. They're both really great right. albums to me. I, I loved both of them. Um, they're just kind of in that section. And I knew that they that's where they kind of fit for me, whereas they were more... Uh, resonant than something that was down at like the the 50th section uh the 50th spot on my list yeah your year this year sort of sounds like my year last year where like at, at some at different points everything in my top 30 last year had been slotted in part of my top 10 uh-huh. and so like when it came time to rank everything in that it was like what the hell am i gonna choose and i feel like like i re-ranked or i'm working on a re-ranking now it'll be done by the time we done this podcast but like i I re-ranked last year more than i normally do like there were records um around like 15 or 16 that jumped to i think i had a record at 15 that jumped to number two um and sort of like moving things around like that i don't think that'll happen as much this Mm -hmm. year because for me like the top 10 was very firmly like these are the albums that define my year and then beyond that like there are a lot of really good albums in my like I still made a top forty, and I still really like everything in there. Um, but that sort of that from like I don't know, maybe maybe twenty to forty. It all those could all be interchangeable, mm-hmm. I guess. And that, that I really sense. liked them a lot. Didn't quite spend as much time with them, partially I think because I was doing that big like uh, go back and re rank the two thousands records. Yeah. So I was spending a lot of time with those, and I think that also sort of played into some of the artists that did gravitate toward the top of my mm-hmm. list because like looking at my list like Anne McMahon, Brian Fallon, Matt Nathanson, Death Cab for Cutie, they're all in the top ten. And they're all artists that like played a pretty big role in like the late two thousands for me. So like maybe that's why I gravitated toward them and uh less maybe to, I mean though though I still have like two debut artists in my top three. So I guess I had both sides of that. <laughs> Going with that Death Cab album, what were you most surprised that made your list? Like, let's start with like just the top ten in general. Like, were you surprised that Death Cab album ended up being a top ten album? Oh yeah, here? that's that is absolutely the one that I would say, uh, and I put that at number nine. Uh, did we read our whole list? We yet? did not. Let's just do that. Let's do the top ten so people don't have to be flipping okay. back and forth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So my number one was Caitlin Smith. Number two was was Casey Musgraves. Number three was Rustin Kelly. Number four was Anne McMahon in the Wilderness. Number five was that Laurie McKenna album, The Tree. Number six was Donovan Woods with an album called Both Ways. Number seven was Brian Fallon. Number eight was Matt Nathanson, Sings His Sad Heart. 
Uh, and then nine was Death Cab for Cutie, and ten was the 1975. Nice. Man, that Matt Nathanson album is one that I'm almost positive by this time next year I'm going to wish was in my top ten. It's not. It's it's just <laughs> outside my top ten this year, but I really like that album, and it really comes down to I just listen to other stuff more uh, uh, for like earlier in the year. Right. Yeah. Sure. Okay. My my number one is now now saved. Number two, 1975. Number three, the night game. Number four is half wave lavender. Number five, fallout boy mania. Number six, hippocampus bambi. Number seven, foxing near my god. Number eight, fickle friends. You were somewhere else. Number nine, shad a short a short story about war. Number ten, Casey Musgraves golden hour. So okay. What, what awesome. would you say? So we, do you think that? De- yeah. So biggest surprise. Yeah. For you. For sure. Yeah, I mean, this is interesting for me because I really – a lot of people think they sort of just crashed off a cliff after, like, Narrow Stairs is usually the the uh, the popular, like, end yeah. of good Death Cab uh, point. I, I really liked uh, the album they released in 2015, Kintsugi. I surprisingly um, liked that one well. Like, I, I mean, I didn't love it to the ex- – the extent that I loved previous Death Cab albums, but I thought it was pretty good. No, yeah, but and I mean, Codes and Keys is not great, but there are some great songs on there. I I never really felt like they lost it, but this album, there was just something about it, like it sort of recaptured, um, you know, what I really liked about Plans and Transatlanticism, and I didn't even really like this album that much the first time I listened to it. Like it sort of just sounded like you know a late period Death Cab for Cutie album, yeah. but then just like throughout the fall, I kept I kept coming back to it, and I, there was something about I guess I figured it was like the nostalgia in the lyrics. It's a very backward looking album, sort of from the point of view of being like a like being Ben Gibbard and being this guy who was sort of like a a poet for the angsty teen. <laughs> generation in like 2003 to 2008 or something and like being that guy like 10 or 15 years later and what that means and like what your role is at that point and there are some really just great songs about like looking back in in summer years and 60 and punk and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and i just i really gravitated toward that um I'm not entirely sure why. I just I, I feel like I had a nostalgic year, yeah. and maybe it was like the the re-ranking the 2000s stuff and like going to that Gaslight tour and you know being to the point where like looking at my 10 year high school reunion and stuff like that. Um, just like the the we ain't we ain't that young anymore. <laughs> yeah, era. It is interesting um, when bands come out of the not like out of the blue, but like you kind of thought okay maybe like they had passed over being in your top 10 or passed over being that kind right, of band yeah. that you're going to fall in love with. And you're like, I'm always going to like them. Like that's an album. That's a band that I'm going to enjoy, but you know, maybe they're like a 25 to 30 on my list kind of band. And then they jump back in and surprise you. Yeah, definitely. So that's, that's the biggest surprise in my top 10. What about you? Uh, like I think when I, so I don't know what it was about a month or so ago when I started being like, I got to actually put this stupid list together and figure out what's going on. Um, and I like doing lists. Like, you know, some people hate lists. Some people hate the end of the year and think it's arbitrary and all of that, which I get, but like, I enjoy it because I enjoy being able to look back on it years from now and try to get a capture of what that year looked like to me and be like, Oh yeah, that album. Oh, I remember that. And I mean, sure. It's arbitrary. We divide things up into 12 month periods. That's cool. That, that, that's weird. That's fine. But I enjoy being able to kind of get a look at what my musical life looked like 
during that period of time. And I can think about like what my life was, what was happening in my life. I can think about what was happening around in the world at that time, and then kind of see that through the eyes of the music that I listened to. So that's why I enjoy putting these lists together. And the one that really kind of surprised me when I went back and re-listened to it is that Fall Out Boy album. Like, obviously I've liked Fall Out Boy for a very long time. Uh, they've been on a staple of my list for a while. Some of those lists, they've been very high. Some of those lists, they've been, you know, sitting in the 20 to 30 range and just been like a good album that I think's good, but not great, great. Uh, Mania, like, just really hit me this year. It was an album that, like, I thought... Uh, surprised me. Like I was worried about how they were putting it all together and the rollout and like whether or not the songs were going to be strong or what was happening. Um, but I, I, I think that it's a incredibly solid collection of songs that I spent a very long time listening to. And when I went back to it, I basically kind of like re-fell in love with it. It was one where I was like probably thinking it was going to be like anywhere between like 10 and 15. And then when I re-listened to it, I was like, nope, I just like this better than some of these other albums. Like I just, this is something that is resonating, connecting with me more than I expected for like to rediscover later on in the year. So that one surprised me just because of how high it ended up being on my list. Not necessarily surprising in the fact that it's on the list at all just of where it ended up fitting in yeah for sure oh is there anything that surprised you that didn't make your list is there anything that if like somebody would have told you these artists released albums in 2018 but you didn't like them enough to put them in your top 30 that would have kind of shocked you well i I look at this in two ways um because there's there's an album that i'm really surprised is not in my top 10 and that's the dawes album okay um they've sort of just I, I until this point I've thought like this is the most consistent band of like this year uh-huh. or of this decade because they've just constantly put out top five albums for me uh, and I still like this one I think I put it at fifteen or fourteen or something like that but um, for me this was sort of their weakest in a while and um, if you had told me that with like sort of the early songs I had heard from it I would have uh, would have been surprised about that mm-hmm. as for like not making my list at all. Um, I mean, there are a few that are pretty far back, like sort of almost in the honorable mention section. Uh, and one of the big ones, I guess is the dangerous summer. And this is a band that like, so, so like completely defined my life from like, I don't know, 18 to 23 or something like that. Um, that if you had told me like, okay, this band is coming back, but their album's not making your list, <laughs> I would have been I would have been pretty shocked about that. And like this album definitely resonated with me. I mean, like it was an album that came out around the time I moved home. Um, and there's a lot about like going home and like remembering your old friends and stuff and catching up with them. And like so it definitely resonated. Just it sort of was an album I didn't come back to as much as I expected to. Makes sense. Um, I think it's an album they released at the wrong time. I think it should have been a summer release. I just think, you know, that band <laughs> with that band name should not be releasing an album in like January. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I felt like that was, uh, yeah, that album didn't make my list either. And I, or at all. Um, and I, I just felt like they, it needed something. It needed a little bit more editing, a little bit more time. Like, needed. I think it needed a couple, like it's a nine, it's a nine or 10 song album. I can't remember. I don't which. remember either. I think it's 10. Uh, so it's yeah. a little short. It's a little, it, and there's one song in there that I just 
think is awful. Yeah, I, the sequencing and <laughs> so, the track listing wasn't quite right to me. It didn't have like that yeah, one song that yeah. you were like, oh shit, that's the song from the album. It was marketed weird. The whole thing, like, yeah, it just that did that, something felt off about that entire one. Uh, I think they're recording right now and they're going in with it. Yeah, I think it's done. So like, hopefully, I I kind of want them to hold on it till like. May. I think that would be a good idea, and I mean, especially if they like went in with a good producer that's doing that can really capture something of their sound. I, they, I still think they have like a lot of potential in them um i just like he's i think he's a great lyric writer i just uh you know this i mean there's songs i really like on this it's still an album yeah. I like um uh, it's I, I like it more than um golden record so i mean it's it's a like as far as a comeback album i think it's a it's a step in the right direction but those first two records like i've spent so much time with those and like i, I just don't know if that band can can sort of recapture what it was what they were to me like when i was basically coming of age uh and then another one that i think i this one actually grew on me and it ended up really toward the back of my top 40 um but it's that dashboard confessional album okay and if you had told me like dashboard confessional is coming back um and the lead single is we fight which is a great song by far the best song and (laughs) the last album they released i think there's a fair argument to be made that alter the ending is their best album i would probably try to make that Um, argument (laughs) and like just that was such a i was looking forward to that album so much and i think there's some great stuff on there i think the like the more acoustic songs like that sort of harken back to you know what chris caraba did so well like the like tapping into like this certain brand of angst or longing or something. I think like heartbeat here and just what to say. And we fight. I think those are all great songs. Some of the others really grew on me. Like it was a great summer running album. So interesting. uh, Maybe, maybe that's why it sort of got the boost, but like, I would have thought like, this is going to be a, this is going to be a top 10 contender. And it just, it's, it feels really sort of insubstantial. It didn't work for me. Yeah. I think that that's a good way to put it. It felt, um, all over the place. It felt like a collection of songs that never really felt cohesive together, that he was searching for a single, searching for some kind of hit and kind of put some stuff on there to hope that that would happen and kind of meshed it all together. And it just, it didn't work for me. That one, I, I, again, we fight fantastic song, really, really, really good. But after coming off of alter the ending, which I know was not as well received with, I guess, diehard dashboard fans, right? but man, I like that. I really like the twin forks. Sounds great. So like, just as far as you know him sort of missing for I will me continue, uh, i hope i'll continue to listen to anything he does yeah for sure uh and then my other one well i have two more one of them is yours i'll let you talk about oh, it. um but my other one is uh is the matt carney album which wasn't really surprising he's sort of gone in a direction that i don't think really works for him he went like um, super imagine dragons e sort he of really like, he really yeah. did yeah I, I agree like it doesn't quite work like it's just one of those like I, I i guess i can see why he attempted that but those were always my least favorite songs on his past albums and like he was kind of losing me for a while like the previous one was kind of getting further away from what i really yeah, liked the that previous he did. one the previous one was a little weird but it still had like shade he was he's always just been such like a uh, an idiosyncratic songwriter mm-hmm. just in like the way he's incorporated like you know spoken word stuff yeah. and sort of different different genre elements i mean his second record's like a pretty just straightforward singer songwriter yeah. album and then he's sort of done a lot more with like a 
like fun fun style pop yeah. music since then and but this one yeah just there was really it had nothing for me <laughs> like it just just did absolutely nothing for me so like yeah that I, I I think I listened to it like three times. I think that like I mean I listened to it more than three times, but the one that surprised me the most that uh, missed my list and missed my list by a significant margin is the Frank Turner album. That's one where if you had told me that Frank Turner is releasing an album, I usually would pencil it in at the very least in the top twenty five. But like that has an outside shot at the top four that has a sh- definite shot at the top 10 like I've, I've loved frank turner i've loved frank turner's writing for years i think he's one of the better songwriters that we've got um i like his style his style of songwriting his style of uh, wordplay of storytelling the sounds that he usually plays within are things that are very much in my wheelhouse and this album just didn't work for me it, it was one that uh, like individually there's songs that I'm like, okay, these are okay. This is like, this is pretty good. Um, but as a whole, it, it just, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the hell happened. I don't know either because I, I genuinely think his last album is his best album. The one that Butch Walker produced. It's just so like, it has so much life to it. And like, it's just those songs where, uh, what's it called? Positive songs for negative yes. people. Like that, that is just like what I want from a rock album sort of in this, in this, uh, day and age. And this album just felt so like, I don't know, bloodless. Saccharine. Sort like, of, uh, yeah. Like, like, yeah. Like, like plotting and, and sort of like, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know. I can't describe it. I think the production is terrible. I think it just robs him of, like, he almost sounds like, uh, like an adult contemporary guy. Yeah, it's, it's almost it. it's way too polished around the edges. Uh, the message, like the last few, have been polished, but like they still retained. Like it, it was more of a like Brian Fallon yeah, it, gaslight anthem post American slang kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas this was just, yeah, oh, yeah. The song the I songs didn't work. The like overall like I understand the message he's trying to get across and what he's trying to say. Uh, but it felt like a complete, in its own way, like a misreading of the times and like a misreading of the moment um, for somebody that I've always thought kind of had his pul- or his finger on the pulse a little bit more of like popular culture and culture in general. And it just it just didn't it did not work for me at all. Like it was just one where I was just like, maybe it's just because this like in 2018, this is not what I want to hear like and this is not like maybe it's what I need to hear but don't don't want to hear or something but like I, I just I couldn't I couldn't find it in me to like let those songs become anything because they just they just were they weren't working for me um no I feel like we need like a petition to bring Butch Walker back for both Dashboard Confessional and Frank Turner because I feel like I feel like Butch could have done something with that Dashboard mm-hmm. record yeah um just to sort of shape some of those songs a little more like all of those just like i think they all start the chorus or most of them do and then like they're just super repetitive i think he could have helped with that i don't know if he could have saved the frank turner record like i just think those songs unless he most unless he got him to take some of them off and write some other things i don't know yeah yeah yeah, i don't know it's just yeah that's that is definitely a rough one i feel like it's pretty 
unanimous like that that is not a good album yeah i haven't seen much praise for it all in all from even like pretty diehard uh frank turner fans i haven't seen i've seen a couple people try to make arguments for a couple different songs on there which i, I can kind of see one way or the other but as a whole yeah di- didn't work for yeah, me i mean i could i could go to bat for like uh blackout or don't worry i think those are decent yeah i think it's called don't worry yeah. but like as a whole just uh, yeah. yeah i don't know i, don't know. I think that like, other surprised uh things on my list this year i was happy with the amount of like more punk rock sort of music that uh i discovered this year i was listening to that new sick of it all album is at 20 on my list which i've never been a huge sick of it all fan i've always liked them but didn't love them and i actually really like this album pennywise came back and shocked me with a great pennywise album that's in at number 11 on my list i didn't really see myself being uh a giant pennywise fan again and all of a sudden that album kind of came out of nowhere and was the right album at the right time for me um i really like that hopes fall album which i put down at 26 uh which is a little bit of a heavier album as well uh but by and large that in uh, Grey Haven, which I have at 14. Those are like the heaviest albums on my list. And I think that that's the one thing that kind of uh, mm-hmm. has slowly moved its way out of my uh, listening habits is I'll go on binges, like little kicks where all of a sudden I'll be like one week. I'm just listening to a lot of like really heavy music and then I'll just stop okay. and then I just stop and I just don't do it again for months on end. Punk music itself, I find that I, I use pretty frequently. Like, it's, I read the news and I'm like, oh, God, fuck this. That <laughs> anti-flag album's definitely going on and I'll binge that for a while, listen to a lot of Boundary Religions. So, like, punk music still finds its way into my daily or at the very least weekly listening habits pretty frequently, whereas, like, hardcore, metal, uh, heavier music to that degree usually finds its way in only, like, every couple months maybe like i'll put it on to go for a run at the gym or something like that but that that's Uh been working its way out of my uh regular rotation and music more along the lines of i don't know casey musgrave singer songwriter sort of stuff obviously 80s tinged pop music has kind of been what's replaced that i just that that music reaches me more these days than the the yelly screamy sort of stuff sure yeah, one of the surprising things for me is I counted up like uh, my top forty, uh, and twenty-two of the forty I think have never been on a list I've made before. Oh, interesting. Um, so I think there are a fair number of debuts on here. I think I, I always think that's cool, um, and this just this plays into one thing you wrote in the show notes that I think is sort of goes along with what we're talking about. But it says, if you could go back and show yourself this list at the end of 2017, what do you think your early self would have said? Um, and the interesting thing for me is like, uh, looking back to 2013, my albums of the year have been Jason Isbell, Noah Gunderson, Butch Walker, Butch Walker, <laughs> Jason Isbell. <laughs> so I would have been fascinated to like look forward and see what my favorite album would be in a year where none of them released anything mm-hmm. and like equally surprised to see like a, a debut artist up there. So I think like it's always good to have, you know, new blood that, that you can be excited about and looking forward to their new stuff, especially if you have artists like Frank Turner who might be fading. Um, so yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I think I, w- I would have been 
I would have been most surprised early 2017 version of me would have been most surprised at the number of albums or bands that are pretty much new to me on the list. Things that I was not listening to three years ago or even like a year ago, you know, like the night game had maybe released what one or two songs at that point. And that, yeah, I was completely unfamiliar with them too. <laughs> them shooting up to the top hippocampus. I had never, I mean, I'd listened to, they had a previous album and it made one of our like bands to check out thing. And so I listened to a couple songs off it, but it never really listened to them. And I really like that album. Fickle Friends had some singles and an EP basically, and they shot their way up into my top 10. Uh, so things like that, I think would have really surprised me. And I would have been uh, pleasantly excited or like anticipating the albums of the bands I just had never heard of. I'd be like, who's this Natalie Prass? I haven't listened to them before. Like, I'm excited about this. And I think that that sort of stuff would have been what would have excited me yeah. in early 2017. Um, and I hope that that, I hope that that go like that means that 2019 will have similar things. Like I'm, I'm excited about the possibility of obviously a bunch of bands that I know are releasing music, but I'm also excited about the stuff that I might discover next year that I have no idea about right now that could maybe find its way into my top 10. And that that's that's what I'm, I'm looking forward to, I think, the most. So that's your most anticipated? I think so. I think that I'm looking forward to new stuff. I'm trying to think of off the top of my head what I, what I haven't heard that I know we've got next year. I mean, otherwise I'd be saying that Copeland album, which oh, I yeah, you've heard think that. is fantastic. <laughs> which I've heard that, and I think that album's fantastic. And so I'm already like, that one's like front runner probably. Like, you know, if you had to place odds, like that, one, that one's a front runner for at least like a top five spot next year because I'm going to have it the entire year. So like be, be on the lookout for that one. Right. Yeah, for me, like, it's, uh, you know, the three that we didn't get anything from this year. Isbel, Butch, and Noah will probably all put out albums next year. Put out something. And then 1975 will have another new album. Have another so I bet, one, yeah. Uh, that's going to be, I'm going to be looking for, forward to that one. Bruce um, Springsteen, come on, finish your record. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> It's really funny. Um, I don't know if it's going to be in play for like an album of the year, but like I'm, ex- I'm assuming reading new Blink 182 next year. So I'm excited for that. Like I want to hear new Blink. I'm curious if All Time Low or Newfound Glory are going to do anything. So like next year could be a pop punk year for me. I would see see if they do anything fun. I know the the new Marin Morris album is done, so I'm excited for that. that one. Yeah, that I've been waiting for that one for a very long time. Like that one seems like it's it's kind of been. Yeah, it's been a while. It's definitely like, it's finished. Yeah, like. There have been listening parties and stuff, so uh, my guess would be a spring release. The other thing I'm anticipating, and I know I've hearkened and I've I've written about this, I've definitely tweeted about it before, is uh, I feel like we are in need of or I'm like desperate for a really great punk album that defines this period of time for us. I thought that the American Fall by Anti-Flag was very, very good last year, Um, and uh, I know that Bad Religion are working on an album right now that should be coming out uh, in the in the future. But like, I, I really want and like am anticipating or like craving an album that puts together the feelings that I have inside of like anger <laughs> and angst and like frustration with everything. And I just, I just, I'm. I, I am reticent to like talk about like the idea of like the Bush years and the music that came out of the Bush years uh, with uh, any sort of like fondness or wistfulness because like everything that happened during those years fucking sucked <laughs> and like a lot of people were really 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 hurt and we have a lot of songs about war where people died and like that is a dark deep horrible thing but at the same time uh, we need, I we need the, the American music. idiot I, I think we've talked about uh, this a little bit before. <laughs> 
and, and what and what is that like what is the album that is going to look back and give us a, a snapshot in time like i thought uh love it if we made it by the 1975 this year in a lot that of ways is definitely yeah that's the closest that and that is like a song that defines this moment this period of time it's like it's it's punk rock in its own way and so i'm curious whether or not something like that comes out of it uh or, or comes out next year and i think that if i yeah, i feel like the 1975 are, are a band that could actually do it you know they have enough they have enough popularity they're definitely uh interested in writing that sort of um that sort of type of songs uh i don't know if like what they're doing on the next album i is is along those lines at all like i haven't yeah i haven't really read into that that much but um yeah love it if we made it for sure was like sort of the song of the year in that respect i think so I'm curious to see what happens there, and then uh, I'm always interested, always interested in the hip hop world and seeing uh, what new things are going to come from that genre. I think Doomtree and POS potentially could be doing some cool stuff next year, so I'm excited to, to see that. Um, but yeah, I think that's off the top of my head. Those are the ones that I'm most anticipating. Do you think your list is going to change? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it always does a little bit. Part of the fun for me is going back and doing the re rank. Um, yeah. And I'm always to see like the, the the most interesting thing is like if your number one changes, which I think happens yeah. pretty rarely. Um, yeah. It definitely has happened for me a couple times this decade, though. So, um, but you know, Caitlin Smith, that album I've been listening to for almost a year, so it's already had a lot of lasting power. So I don't that know. Was same for the now, now for me, and why why I feel pretty confident with it being where it is. Yeah. I would see like five through ten shifting around more than I think I would see my one through five. Yeah, shifting. I would agree. I would agree with that. Um, do you have anything else that you wanted to bring up or talk about, or other topics or things off the top of your head? Uh, the only other thing I think you had a you had a section on the notes that was favorite musical memories that I don't think we got okay. to. Uh, my number one is definitely seeing the Gaslighting Anthem play the Fifty Nine Sound front to back. That was just a super incredible night and. Uh, just so awesome to see those guys back. Also saw Brian this year, which was great. Um, but just like seeing the band and seeing him play those songs and the excitement from the crowd was so... It was, it was just one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. So that was awesome. That's awesome. And anybody that wants to hear more about Brian Fallon and the Gaslight Anthem, I will link in the show notes the last the time last I did a podcast, <laughs> which is all about uh, that exact show. Uh, for musical memories for me, the one that really stands out was the day or the night, basically, that the 1975 album leaked oh, yeah. and everybody yeah. was li- and everybody was listening to it in the, in the thread, basically together and talking about it and having that connection. And like... Uh, I mean, obviously, I've been writing and doing things online for a very long time, and I would not keep doing a forum if and wanting to talk about music with people if there weren't moments like that. Like that is the reason, like distilled into a moment in time, that I I do this, that I have this website, that I want to continue doing this website. It's seeing people connect with music, talking about that music with people, seeing the reactions and the like, the love for a band, for a song, for just that period of time, all come out all at once. So that that's definitely up there for me um the other ones that i can think about are this summer walking around and listening to that now now album i remember like it being very sunny out and just spending time sitting down uh at a park nearby laying on the grass and just being like you know what like 
with everything else going on in the world right now and everything else that's out there, like things can be okay. Like that, that, like that you can have a, like a breath of fresh air and a moment to like let the stresses of everything else kind of fade away and get lost in music for a little bit. And that one, that one's going to stick with me for a while as well. Yeah. It's sort of a similar thing, uh, on the 4th of July, just, you know, went for sort of a long run along the water and just had like every year I make a big summer playlist that I sort of just make on a rolling basis, like as new songs come out and I'm like, this is, this should be a song to define my summer. So yeah, like I took the version of the playlist that I had at that time and ran with it. And it had songs from like, like it had now, now uh, set it free and it had Matt Nathanson way, way back. And it had, um, just Andrew McMahon, Ohio, a few other songs that are just like super catchy and, you know, good, good feel good music. And like, that was an awesome, awesome day, like great weather and, uh, great music and all that. And, uh, just couldn't complain. <laughs> awesome. Well, I hope everyone will check out the feature on the website. Uh, those links are going to be in the show notes. Obviously, you can go to chorus.fm, and most of that stuff should probably still be on the right side of the page or at the top of the page at the at the moment. Um, there's going to be playlists for everything on the end of the year list for myself and the staff list. So if you haven't heard some of this music, that's a really great way to jump in because you can just put on a playlist and skip through the songs you don't like. Maybe you'll discover something new. Hopefully you'll discover something new. That's my favorite part of all of this is I love going through everybody's lists. I love going through the contributor list and then everybody's individual lists and checking out things that I haven't heard before or names that I've seen but never actually like added to my collection. And with Spotify and Apple Music, it's super easy these days. So Personally, I just hope everybody finds something to love because I had a really good uh, musical 2018 yeah. and it, it, everything was was a good, fun year for discovering music. And I, I like being reminded that this can still happen. Like I like when this when I keep discovering new bands and fall back in love with music that I've loved for a very long time and bands like Death Cab for Cutie, Thrice, Pennywise, obviously all releasing albums that I enjoyed this year. And when that happens, it's like, okay, like I'm glad music can still hit me here at the ripe old age of 35 yeah. because so many people start talking about like, oh, I only listen to the bands I listened to in high school. And that that has not been me yet. Like I have not just gone back to the well of those four or five pop punk albums <laughs> I spun all the time at 18. Um, so when I do find new music and new bands that can still hit me and still connect and resonate with me uh it gives me faith like and i'm, I'm just happy that good music is still being released amen awesome it was great talking to you man you too. Uh, we'll do this next year okay <laughs> awesome <laughs> take care thank you for listening